Hey, welcome back to another glorious week of the Uncoachables Pod. I am Matt. This here is my partner in podcast crime. Hello. I would say I'm a partner in more than just podcast crime. <laughs> That's fair. Crimes against humanity. Um, crimes against uh, well-known sporting <laughs> uh, athletes that I like to subtweet fairly regularly and aggressively. <laughs> just all sorts of crime. Just like committing crime. Crime guy. Uh, how you doing, big boy? How you feeling after after week three? Um, as you can see, I know that our listeners can't see, but as you can see, I'm decked out in Dolphins gear today, so I, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm a little nervous about tonight. I think it's a an, an awful, awfully timed game for Miami to have to turn around and play, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little confident, a little confident. We'll talk about Miami a little later in the show. I'm happy you're feeling confident. Um, do you know who's not feeling confident right now? Who's that? That would be me. Okay. Uh, okay. And here, here's why. Uh, I wanted to start off today's show uh, with the World Cup. I don't know if you know this, but we're officially under 55 days away from the World Cup. Uh, it's a. Uh, I, I, we always know that the World Cup is generally a very complicated tournament, but I would describe this tournament as a national pride built on the back of slave labor. Um, <laughs> That's not funny. Days- but it's- it's true uh we're 52 (laughs) days away and the tally of migrant deaths uh will probably be somewhere over the realm of 6500 uh since the tournament was awarded to them 11 years ago um i um i generally feel as if the the focus of this tournament right should be on the the human rights concerns surrounding the country the fact that they uh treat lgbtqia plus uh people poorly uh, the fact that, yeah, migrants have died. Uh, the fact that there won't be beer. Um, all of this is just, it's its its really kind of compiling. And um, Mark Ogden actually released an article from uh, ESPN. Uh, he released an article about three days ago where he started to kind of go over what's ready and what's not for the World Cup. And Matt, I wanted to take you through this. Are you ready for me? Are you ready for this fucking absolutely disgusting depressing story on how capitalism has failed us i thought i was and then i i read our our notes for the episode and i'm not now okay so here's the deal uh about one and a half million people are going to be entering qatar um specifically the this the main capital city of doha um, during the November and December tournament. The fact that it is a winter tournament still makes me want to kill myself. So I'm just going to pretend like that's not a thing. Um, they built seven new stadiums for the World Cup. Uh, there's an 80,000-person stadium called Lusai Stadium. Uh, it's built by the same people who built the Tottenham Stadium. If you're curious, look it up. It'll look cool. Um, they built a five-lane highway uh, that connects the north and the south. Um, they really retrofitted a lot of these stadiums with air conditioning and uh, pretty solid amenities. But according to Mark Ogden, everything else is missing. Um, Apparently the areas around the stadium are dust bowls uh, or construction sites or empty car parks, no hotels, no shops, no cafes. Um, Allegedly the organizers told ESPN that the stadiums will be dressed with fan zones, food stalls, and quote unquote fun areas. So uh, there'll be plenty to do, but apparently, uh, especially around the Lucille stadium, uh, which was a five-year project, none of the hotels, restaurants, shops, or apartments are done, nor will they be apparently. 
Um, basically, what Ogden alluded to, uh, which I'll, I'll I'll get to some of the numbers in a second, is that they've had 11 years since this bid, and absolutely nothing has gotten done. Uh, of the things that have gotten done uh, is that they've agreed to... Uh, basically open up an extra 150 daily shuttle flights between Doha and the UAE, which is a 40-minute flight. That's awesome. I'm sure those tickets are still going to be fucking expensive, right? Because World Cup markup. Um, the other things are there will be tented campsites. So I have been watching the World Cup for a long time, but never in my fucking life have I heard of a tented campsite as if it were Coachella or Glastonbury. The best part about it is that a double tent... Uh, or a double tent space for one night is three hundred and eighty dollars uh, at a place called Alcor. Um, so that's cool. Uh, there's another place called Al Rakra, uh, which offers a hundred and ninety dollar camping for the night. Uh, and then there's uh, actually those are actually the FEMA trailers. I'm sorry, the Al uh, Rakra campsite is where they offer a hundred ninety dollar FEMA trailers. Um, FIFA officials have actually gone as far to say um, that it's definitely going to be a culture shock. You don't fucking say. You're going to have people living like refugees for fucking two months during a World Cup, something that you spent billions of dollars getting ready for. Um, there's one other thing I mentioned that there won't be booze. Um, so let me just like kind of really add it on for the English, uh, French, and Dutch fans that really like to get their booze on during World Cups. Uh, you can't bring booze into the country. Booze sales is going to be heavily restricted. Supporters with cash, of course, can always go and visit one of the many luxury hotels in Doha, buy alcohol from the sports bars and pubs within them. Um, pricing for beer at the Intercontinental Beach, the Marquis Marriott, and the Kempinski Pearl, uh, the Kempinski Pearl is actually where the U.S. Men's National Team is going to be hanging out, is going to range from anywhere between 13 to $16 a pint. Um, alcohol will be available so for supporters at stadiums before and after games, but not during games. World Cup sponsors Budweiser will supply beer at stadiums and fan zones. Uh, apparently, there's a 40,000 uh, capacity fan zone at Al Bidda Park in the center of Doha, uh, which will serve alcohol on match days, but only after 6.30 and until 1 p.m. That's it. You can't go boozing through the night if your team win a fucking quarterfinal and haven't been to a semifinal in fucking 20 years. We can't do that. Um, what I thought was really, really funny um, is basically Ogden kind of like mints this article with a, with a caveat, which is, uh, yes, we understand that the lack of accommodation will definitely be, a, be an issue. Allegedly, according to sources that have spoken to ESPN, uh, this is prototypical Qatari mentality. Uh, apparently, the Qataris are known for leaving things to the last minute, but they always deliver. Um, what? There's a they're lot to unpack here. Bro, they're going to deliver seven hotel hotel shop and fan zones in 52 days. I, I just love this that is, somehow they this... created like an alcohol-free Woodstock, but like in countries that already like have refugee issues and are already like shell-shocked over a lot of that stuff they basically made them all refugees but won't let them drink um and the like the only quote was don't worry we're going to have fun zones it's 
do you know what this kind of reminds me of? It kind of reminds me of the Sochi Olympics. Do you remember when we were seeing pictures of like uh, toilets Bro, that were without like running water? To, yes, yeah. next to electrical. That's what this is going to be like. Granted, the players, FIFA officials, Qatari officials, uh, bureaucrats, diplomats, dignitaries, etc. No one's going to have to experience any of that. Of course, uh, the $2,500 per night villas at fucking Banana Island have already been taken up by the French and English uh, families of the soc- of, of the footballing teams. Uh, apparently, 80% of all of the hotels in Doha have been blocked booked for the Supreme Committee of Qatar and FIFA officials, but allegedly they're going to release 20,000 rooms uh, next month. Like, maybe. this is... Maybe. This is like... um, This World Cup it started to like really take a turn for me over the last like 30 days. This world cup is specifically for rich people to have the most opulent experience to go watch a world cup, right? Like this was the perfect way for you to ensure that anybody that earns under a million dollars a year cannot get access to this in a reasonable fashion. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like, it, it, it feels as if they've like, they've, they've put an exclusivity, um, around this world cup and the only way that they can ensure to keep it exclusive is to not give anyone i.e the plebes i.e <laughs> you me and anyone who listens to this podcast the ability to get there or to, to to be there comfortably you know what i mean and like that's not even talking about like as a gay man going to the world cup or or as an alcoholic right like i know i'm not putting the same like i'm not putting the same things on a fucking plane but i'm saying like i can't reasonably be myself drink or enjoy myself at this event that has been going on every four years since the 1930s. And now you're going to put restrictions on top of it because what we paid $800 million to make it happen here. Yeah. I was going to say in, in, in their defense, uh, you know, it cost them like a billion to bribe FIFA to get the world cup. So they don't have any money yep. left to build all those things for people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm honestly like, I, I have, um, I had like a, I have like a, like this like uh, need to watch ESPN FC every night at eight o'clock. And I think, um, I think what's amazing is like, not to cut you off, but they, no, no, go. so like they, they paid almost a billion dollars with what's billion with a B as in Bezos. Um, they paid Bezos a, B. Yeah, almost true. a billion dollars to FIFA and bribes and shit to get the world cup. Everyone found out about it and they arrested like several of the FIFA executives and all the other people who were involved in these deals. But then they just like said, nah, you can keep the world cup. Like we don't even let, like we take draft picks from teams from even talking to someone that they shouldn't be talking to dolphins. And like they're over there just letting people keep the world cup for bribing for the world cup in a place that's not really capable of holding the world cup. Like what? Matt, are you, are you familiar with laissez-faire economics? (laughs) (laughs) Cause that's like, I mean, listen, bro, that's what that's like. I mean, uh, my buddy Kurt says it all the time. Uh, he was like, listen, if you wanted to rank it in order, the most like fucking shitty grifting, uh, ass backwards organizations in the world would probably go in order the international olympic committee fifa and then the nfl and i kind of love 
that trinity only in that like the ioc is gross because it really does house like a lot of what you could consider affluent sports right like skiing not everybody from fucking no one from the hoods of denver can afford to go skiing do you understand what i'm saying whereas soccer is a universal sport because it takes uh, a ball of socks to make a soccer ball and then you put two bags down and you have a goal and it really like it really is a, a an equality sport but it's been completely occupied by fucking rich people sponsors all this bullshit and it has i mean listen the fact that we're going to be doing a winter world cup if you're the united states if you're england if you're uruguay right now if you're any country that's looking to get out of your group stage you probably have five to ten players that are hurt and will be hurt heading into this world cup so like what good does this do anybody right like the product is gonna suck yeah yeah but they paid a lot of money to get it and that's unfortunately uh pretty much what it comes down to God, I love money. I can't wait to have enough of it to buy my own Wrexham and do my own just, bullshit. Yeah, to just do whatever you want because you have money. Like, rules and laws and, like, logic doesn't apply when you have enough money. Yeah. It, what, it, it, really, world. it really makes me sad, man. I, uh, again, I'm going to begrudgingly watch this World Cup, but, like, as a soccer fan, as someone who, like, lives and breathes the sport, it it's going to... It, like, really does affect me in a lot of different ways where I'm like, should I be giving these motherfuckers money ever I just, again? I just can't wait for the fun zones outside outside the stadiums to just be, like, giant Burning Man-style bonfires of protest signs that they took from people. That's the Yo. fun zone. It's like, <laughs> hey, we have a bonfire. Also, we made this out of signs that we took from you all to limit your freedom of speech because you wanted to protest you, us illegally getting this, this World Cup and then treating you like shit. <laughs> do you for a second think that anybody, whoever, I don't know who has the rights to this World Cup. I'm assuming it's ESPN again. Um, are you telling me, do you for a second believe in your heart of hearts that there will be any camera shot or any view of the country of Qatar that does not include smiling, happy people. Fuck no. Fuck no. Fuck no. Out of your mind. Out of your mind. There will be some outlets on the internet that like get pictures and, and post shit like that, but like you're not gonna see like ESPN ain't gonna do it because ESPN wants to keep the rights for the like they want to play nice with FIFA to keep the rights for the next one, and like no other big media is gonna do it who has games and shit or or deals with FIFA because they don't want to lose those rights. So like, fuck no. I mean, even even in lesser like, even just like I said before, like even in our sports here in the U.S., like football, baseball, basketball, like ESPN fires people for asking real questions to athletes because they just want to keep the good relationships going with agents and shit, so that they always have an end to interviews and whatnot. Like, not, not just they're, that. They're obviously not gonna add, fuck with FIFA. You have to add another layer on top of that. Are you telling me that access to the principality of Qatar is not a good thing for you, CEO of ESPN? Right, yeah. Like, the fuck are you talking about? Like, that that's everything that you need. Uh, it, it, I, I mean, we, we, we go back and forth all the time about this, about, like, yes, it's, you know, players get paid a lot of money because the market enables them to get paid what they get paid. The reality of the situation here is that there's way too much money involved. Uh, in these World Cups for, number one, fans to be getting lackluster service. Like, that, for me, is 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 disgusting, and, and FIFA should be absolutely raked over the coals and, and, and you know, 
boycotted even right and it just to some degree but then also you have teams and countries doing things and being like uh, did you see what uh i think it was denmark uh their their shirt sponsor hummel uh released two jerseys all red and all black to signify all of the dead that have died uh building these world holy cup holy what so hummel you're telling me that you're selling a jersey and i'm sure like hummel did something where they're like yeah the proceeds are going to go to like help right. refugees across america right but like again i'm one of those guys that generally believes the red cross is evil because it builds homes that fall apart in 10 years right so like when you come to me and you go oh we did this thing you're a corporation uh and you're gonna make money off of this regardless so like what the fuck are we doing like all of this is for show it's all pageantry uh I apologize for getting on this diatribe about the world. Cup, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm actually like, I was really fired up when I read the Ogden story. Cause I was expecting like golden streets, the best fan experience ever. Like if we're not drinking, then you're at least like fucking, I don't know, feeding me salt water so I can hallucinate at some point, like d do something cool. Yeah. And they've Let's... done the complete opposite. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, yeah. The world cup is a great, like it's, it's a great, uh, magnifying glass into like what the world actually looks like from from a bigger scope, where like the rich do whatever the fuck they want because they can, and us and and all the thousands and thousands of fans that'll be there watching the World Cup are like kicked around like shit, but dangled this carrot which is the World Cup and like the games and shit, and we just eat it because that's what we've all been given for our whole lives and that's normal to yep. us. It's, like, it's yep. like that's yep. yeah the, the world cup just it's a it's a tiny magnified example of basically how the entirety of the world works which is really sad when you think about it that way uh well but yeah i'm i'm sufficiently depressed so i <laughs> i would like to move from the global microcosm to the american microcosm aka the nfl uh just like we we started last week we're going to continue the the fucking mold uh, awards, losers, and notable fucking idiots. Uh, my week two awards for the AFC MVP uh, is Mike McDaniel. Um, listen, uh, for years, uh, the Bills and the Dolphins were the laughingstock of the AFC. It was really nice to watch uh, to watch history change a little bit this weekend. Granted, uh, it was a tough game. Dolphins won 21-19. Um, but it was fun that the Dolphins won, in my opinion, not because... Uh, you're my co-host and, and and a friend of mine, but rather because I thought that the Bills were like, just, they just gave them the Lombardi trophy after week two. They were like, that's it. This is the best team alive. Best team in the world. Just give them the Lombardi. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it was humbling. Um, I also wanted to add one more note. So uh, the reason Mike McDaniel also gets this MVP is because uh, week three kind of, uh, you, you can't have a better three and no start. And, and here's why he defeated Bill Belichick, a 21-point comeback against the Ravens, and he also held MVP candidate Josh Allen uh, to basically nothing in this game. Um, the, uh, the, the Dolphins are actually 3-0 for the first time since Hall of Famer Jimmy Johnson did it in 1996. I think, uh, I think this is a, a hot start for the Dolphins and for Mike McDaniel. Yeah, this game was tough man it was brutal on these guys that's part of why i'm a little bit scared tonight but uh they so i i still think the bills are the better team like on paper and in reality um 
they were they came into that game missing like five defensive starters and practically their entire defensive secondary uh and then it was like 110 degrees heat index or something on the field that day and those guys just weren't built for that um but i mean they, they had opportunities to win it and just they either blew it or Miami's defense came up with, with a key play when they needed it. I mean, there was some Allen sacks, uh, the fumble that led to a touchdown early in the game. Um, Allen basically threw a touchdown into the dirt inexplicably later in the game that probably would have won them the game. Um, I don't Before halftime, they tried to fake a spike, I guess, or he fumbled the snap and then tried to throw it, which led to no points, and that was really confusing. And, like, I... It was a weird game, um, but it was it was really really fun to watch. Yeah, in in this day and age of like guys not really hitting each other and you know higher scoring. Well, not so far this year, but generally over the past several years, we've seen higher scoring games and whatnot, and not a lot of defense. Like this was a pretty hard hitting game. Uh, it was brutal on these guys. I mean, half half of both teams are leaving with cramps and and heat exhaustion every four or five plays. It was nuts. But I do agree it's a it's a hugely important start for the Dolphins. Um, the Patriots game week one was, eh, was okay, but we all I think most people knew the Patriots were going to suck this year, so that it, it's not it's not an it's awesome still, victory. I um, still have to you got to give them credit for one thing though. Um, I didn't so I don't know about you, but whenever Bill Belichick starts off a season, regardless of who's at quarterback, if it's Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo, Mac Jones, you know. Uh, Matt Castle or you know whoever right yeah uh you always get the feeling that like you can't count him out right it's Bill Belichick we we talked about like the issues with the offensive coordinator and and all that other stuff right like no legitimate passing threat um yeah I agree but like I also hate all that stuff now because th- his entire coaching history people are basing on the last 20 years with the Patriots well you know what he's had the last 20 years with the Patriots Tom Brady and like a top five defense and uh, some offensive weapons Every one of those years, he's like, of course you can't count him out because he has fucking Tom prime Tom Brady and like a top five defense every year. Like now, he doesn't have Tom. Did he have Damian Harris too at one point? They, uh, what do you mean? Damian Harris is their their running back now? No, no, no. The uh, cornerback. Oh, I don't know. But I mean, even back to I mean, they had Ty Law and like those guys back in the day. Um. McCordy, the McCordy um, brothers. Yeah, I, it's I don't know some of those stats. I hate it. Like yeah, sure, Bill Belichick has a great history, but like look at his teams. Look at what Bill Belichick's done since those teams. However, and like maybe start to think that you know those teams had a lot to do with his success. But sure, I digress. Um, the win against Baltimore was wild. I didn't think they had that that type of comeback in them. Um, and yeah, I told and, you about that old lady. She was freaking out, but she told me she called it. She's like, "We're winning this game." I was like, "What?" Yeah, it's. I guess that's part of why I'm I'm a, like a little more excited about this team than I normally would be. Um, I'm a little shell shocked from all these previous years where they just haven't been good. Um, but also all these previous years, they they lose, they give up and lose that Baltimore game, um, and they they find a way to lose Sunday's game too. But this year they. They pulled it out, man. They got a different – McDaniel has, has kind of a different swagger about him, and he has the team with the same thing. So, I don't know. I'm looking forward to tonight. I, I think it's going to be a tough game. Uh, I think they have a really good chance to pull it out because Cincinnati's O-line is awful. And I was pretty impressed yeah. with how they actually – how Miami actually bullied Buffalo's uh, offensive line this past week, which I didn't think was very possible. Um, 
So yeah, I don't, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, the good news is after tonight's game, they get a little bit longer rest, and they have a very, very easy like next six or seven games um, in comparison to most other teams' schedules. I think they have like Bears, Jets, Lions. Yeah, Lions. Lions yep. are tough though. Um, well, actually, yeah, we're going to talk about them later in uh, by ourselves. Yeah, they have they have a few other other. I don't want to say cupcakes because nobody in the NFL is a cupcake, but they they have a few other easier games in there. They they have a pretty good stretch, uh, and then they're tougher teams. Like they play the Vikings, I think, but they play them at home. Um, yeah, I don't. They they have a, they have a pretty good stretch coming up, so that's that's light at the end of the tunnel. They could they could legitimately be at ten wins after twelve thirteen weeks, which is to me it's something I never thought that they could actually accomplish this year before the season started. All right, let's move on to the NFC MVP, uh, Trey Lance. <laughs> Buddy, you earned it. <laughs> this was an interesting selection. <laughs> you earned it. Listen, uh, anybody that said that the 49ers were better off with Jimmy Garoppolo under under center on a, were really quiet on Sunday. Um, Garoppolo threw for uh, 211 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He was 18 of 29 passing. Um they converted one third down the entire night. Let me give you some more stats. 12 of the 49ers' 14 possessions ended without points and instead resulted in seven punts, three turnovers, one wasted opportunity before halftime, and one embarrassing safety. Um, I just want to call this out, right? So, week one. Trey Lance played in a fucking monsoon against the Bears, okay? Indeed, indeed. And we threw him under the bus for underperforming. And by we, I mean, like, everyone collectively, anyone that was on Twitter, anyone that watched any of the NFL shows, like, we heed and hawed about how uh, uh, whelming of a performance Lance had. And he gets hurt, and we're all like, fuck, yeah, Jimmy's in. This is going to be great. It's going to be a shootout. Yeah, between the punters. <laughs> I mean, listen, I think Trey Lance gets a lot of shit and got a lot of shit for what for the way that the 49ers handled a lot of the um of the move with Jimmy. I think Jimmy saying his goodbyes at the end of last season was really interesting. I the whole process uh, has been fascinating and kind of cringy all at the same time right like it's 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 a car crash you can't take your eyes off of and for jimmy to start primetime on sunday and look like dog shit with Ayuk, um kittle was back um decent running game between their two backs nothing trey lance mvp let's bring him back (laughs) I think so. Garoppolo will be fine. I think um, you got to remember, a that was Denver has a very good defense. Um, B they were it's okay. they Denver is very desperate for a win. I mean they were if they lose that game they're in really bad shape on the season. Um, but also Jimmy didn't play with the first team at all this year. I mean this was basically he came in mid game the week before and and this was his first real week with actual reps with these guys since last year um so i think that has a little bit to do with it after they i'm sure they they altered the offense a bit for trey lance um to, to kind of fit his skill set a little better than jimmy g's so um i don't know I'm, I'm willing to give it another week or two with jimmy we, we've already seen 
that this team is a Super Bowl contender with Jimmy and like this exact same roster. So I'm not super worried about that. Um, I think they'll be fine. the The problem for Trey Lance is like now he's got what one more year on his deal to to show people that he can actually play before getting a, a new contract. And like we 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 don't know if he can really play. He's played something like what eight games since high school now at this point 13 mm-hmm. games since high school something yeah. like that so like no one knows if he's actually good um and also he just he has a serious ankle injury to um or, or when he's heavily relying on his mobility to be the player he is so i don't, i have some worries about lance um i don't know man i, I think the niners completely flubbed this situation like granted it's worked out for them now because jimmy's there and like i like i said i I think give it a couple weeks they'll be fine with jimmy there but like jimmy should not have been there if you're gonna move if you're gonna move to lance like there's no reason you should have kept jimmy around and and i don't i don't want to go into a whole spiel about it but they they completely mismanaged the entire situation um i don't know they they jimmy took them to a super bowl and nfc championship game and they were just like, all right, see ya for this guy who may or may not actually be able to play quarterback in the NFL. I, whatever. I digress. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, you're not, I, I, I understand the question marks around Lance and it's they're They're noted and, and they're there and you had Garoppolo and then you decided not to have Garoppolo and then Lance get hurt, gets hurt. And now you have Garoppolo again, right? Like it, it, this is the way of the NFL. For some strange reason, no teams decided to make a legitimate offer for Jimmy Garoppolo, and this is the situation, right? Um, I personally, I think he looked a little checked out. I think he's looked checked out. I think he he is checked out of that situation. The only thing he can prove is that he can throw the ball well consistently enough, right? And like, he can be a serviceable quarterback somewhere else. It's a very awkward situation. Is the only way I can describe it. Um, we're going to move on though. Speaking of awkward situations, um, this is my AFC loser, but just like a loser in general, uh, urban Meyer, (laughs) uh, AFC loser for me only because the Meyer era in Jacksonville was a disaster. I mean, I I think the more we look back on it now, though, we, we, we really get like a, a good chuckle out of it only because all it took was getting rid of Meyer for the Jaguars to have a winning record, right? Like, I, I think the correlation is, is is pretty simple. Jacksonville spanked the Chargers 38-10 on Sunday. Um, listen, yes, Herbert was hurt. We'll get into that maybe later. Uh, Lance, on the other hand, threw for 262, three touchdowns, uh, which tied a career high. 28 of 39 passing. Um, listen... He's thrown out of his mind, and Doug Peterson now has the same amount of wins as the Jaguars coaches have uh, in 13 games before he got canned. So, uh, before Meyer got canned. This, without question, has to be the biggest kick to Urban Meyer's ego that I have ever seen in my entire life, and I hope he's doing cocaine and drinking a lot of booze to numb the pain. I have very little doubt that he's in a college bar right now. 100%. 100%. <laughs> Has to right. be. He started drinking at two. 
Like, what are, what are we talking about? Like, he got in for lunch and won't leave now. They're switching bartenders in 20 minutes. Yeah, he's waiting for, for everybody to get out of class so uh, he can maybe be on the prowl a little bit. Hang with Urban. Um, here's my NFC loser for this week. Unfortunately, uh, again, I'm, I think it's going to become a running theme this season. It's our dear friend, uh, dear friend Marty's favorite team, the Bucks. <laughs> So um, I wanted, I think this was really interesting and I wanted to pull a few things um, from here and, and, and kind of talk it out with you um, only because I think there's like a real sense of pain with Bucks fans that, that the, uh, that we haven't really come to terms with yet. And it's maybe that like, you know, father time is here and we, we have the conversation with Brady all the time. Right. Um, but there's a few other things that I think get missed the season after Brady left the Pats, they had a receiver problem, right? Uh, their top receiver was Jacoby Myers, went undrafted in 2012. Um, the Bucks, on the flip side, had one of the best receiving quarters in the NFL, Godwin Evans. Um, and then they also brought in Gronk, and they were able to have some version of Antonio Brown. Brady, wild numbers, one ring number seven whatever he did with the bucks he could have never have done with what new england had in 2020 right like there there was no way yeah it, it was never going to happen right gronk's gone um brown you know is brown and, uh, and decided you know, to self eject himself thing. from the nfl yeah, <laughs> yeah. evans self ejected himself by fighting uh, Lattimore last sunday Godwin is barely back from an ACL tear. Uh, Julio Jones was a game time decision, and then he was ruled out just before a kickoff. So again, on Sunday, Brady's receivers were Russell Gage, Brashad Perryman, and Scotty Miller. Players like Jalen Darden and Kalen Ge uh, Geiger uh, were also in the mix. Cole Beasley, who signed on Tuesday, got four targets, and I think Kyle Rudolph played. The point is. The Bucs didn't score a touchdown until there were 14 seconds left in the game. Tampa Bay had a chance for the game-tying two-point conversion, and then Brady changed the play late at the line of scrimmage and couldn't get the fucking snap off. Um, I think Bucks fans were riding a real high the last three years, and the lead-in up to the season was kind of clunky. The team's hurt. Tom's not looking healthy. I mean, sure, Evans will be back for Sunday night football against the Chiefs. Godwin is trying to get back. Jones, uh, he's missed 16 games over the past three seasons. Um, but if you flip it, the Patriots have had 100-yard receivers in back-to-back -back weeks. Devontae Parker going for 156 on Sunday and a couple more weeks of throwing to Scotty Miller and maybe Brady will start plotting his triumphant return, right? <laughs> like maybe, maybe it, it, it's time to come home. Uh, the point I'm trying to make is they assembled a really heavy team or a really old team in, in, in Tampa, my opinion. And it's really not starting to play dividends uh, the way it should. Cause yes, experience and age does bring, you know, uh, a wisdom and and the right way to play in the NFL and that longevity does speak to how good of an NFL player you are, right? Um, but the flip side of it is is that it, Julio Jones, Cole Beasley, uh, uh, the, the 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 ghost of Kyle Rudolph, like yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of like injury regression 
is, is what they're suffering from the past, especially the year they won. And then last year they were the year they won. They were incredibly healthy and very lucky on that front for the entire season. Last year they had pretty good injury luck, but this year it's, it's almost like regression caught up to them. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, I think Bucks fans might be a good, good, uh, a good fit for the loser category here because I I think that a lot of Bucks fans are thinking that oh it'll be fine when everybody gets back healthy, and like they'll be better yeah with with Godwin and, and Evans back and uh you know what however, however many snaps they get out of Julio Jones this year sure they'll be better but like their O linemen aren't coming back um I mean Brady's. Father Time is going to catch up to Brady. The man's going through stuff off the field, and he just doesn't look like quite the same Brady. So, like, I, I don't think it's it's all going to magically be better whenever Godwin and Evans get back. Like, I don't I don't think that's a thing this year. Um, their defense is is great. They may still end up winning that division because that division's awful. Um, but I I mean, even if they win the division and make the playoffs, I. Eh. What are they going to do? Run up against Green Bay again in round one or something? Like, I yeah, just, I just, exactly. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see. We talked about this last week too, I think, but I just, I don't see it with the Bucks. I think they're a good team, but I don't think they're a legitimate contender, and I don't think it's going to magically get better when their couple receivers are back. All right, we're going to move on to some notable fucking idiots. Uh... You know, uh, one of my favorite notable fucking idiots came out of the fucking woodwork. I, I generally try to ignore um, the fact that Mark Sanchez ever existed in my life for more than four years. Um, he was unbearable, Matt, when he was here. It was the worst. <laughs> he thought he was so handsome and so cool, and he thought he was just going to like be in New York and like we were going to win because Mark Sanchez and we did, we kind of, I mean, listen, like the jets went to, a, a um, an AFC championship game, got spanked by the fucking Patriots. Anyway, like whatever. Um, but, uh, after the butt punt, uh, fucking idiot came out of the woodwork and decided to, uh, offer your punter some advice, um, which absolutely made me want to kill myself because of, of course, uh, the one thing that he wants to tell this punter is to just shrug off the criticism. You don't, you don't say, Bob. Yeah, uh, I mean, listen. To be, it's not the punter's fault that the blocker like got pushed back into him. Just like, what the fuck are we doing, Mark Sanchez? Go fuck yourself. Shut up. Uh, moving on to the next notable fucking idiot. <laughs> Uh, the Kansas City special teams, unfortunately, uh, has to be put on this list. I have a, a little oh bit of a lengthy review here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do, do you have feelings on this? Because I would love to hear. I would love to hear your feelings on it. Um. Yeah, I mean, like their special teams was. I don't even. I, I can say that they're awful, but like that doesn't. Most people probably didn't watch that game because the Dolphins and Bills were were like the main TV game. I think. Um. So like and most people probably don't they probably just see the score and are like what the hell happened to Mahomes and in, in Kansas City but man if if you could go back and show everyone every special teams play that they messed up on part of it they didn't have a kicker so like part of it that sucks like Butker was out because of a I think it was an ankle or something so they had to go grab a dude 
uh, off the street to kick. Um, so that part kind of sucked, but I mean, they, they muffed a punt. They, they had other blunders on special teams that just, they gave away possessions, gave away field position. And like the worst part is people are going to be like, Oh, the Colts are back. They finally got it together. No, the Colts were awful. Kansas city special teams just made sure to single-handedly give them that game. It was, uh, it was, it was rough. Um, so, oh, oh, and not to mention the the fifteen yard taunting that that kept that final drive alive for the Colts to win the game, uh, or to go down and take the lead uh, after they had just stopped them on like a third and fifteen, third and double digit something. Uh, Matt Ryan gets sacked, but uh, they stand over him, and uh, the ref says that he allegedly said something that may or may not hurt Matt Ryan's feelings. So he flagged him for taunting or unsportsmanlike or whatever, which gave them an automatic first down. And I, it was a whole, it was a whole fiasco, but between that and the special teams play. Yeah. Listen, the Colts aren't back. They, they, they caught Casey on a very bad week. All right. So I'll, 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 I'll spare the, uh, the two plays, but it was basically an 11 point swing. Uh, that's how bad it was within like you know throughout the course of the game i would probably blame this for being the reason why the chiefs lost uh it was was essentially i mean it was essentially the the missed extra point and then the fact that they gave up the ball twice on the four and one yard line do do the math from there you know what i mean that's crazy all right um, I wanted to talk to you actually about a few things. Uh, okay, we, okay. we mentioned a few of these teams, and I wanted to give you a buy or sell before we talk uh, lines for the week. Um, I picked four teams. You want to tell me if you buy or sell them? Just going to give you a quick rundown uh, of how I'm feeling about them. Jags, uh, they're two and one. They face the Eagles uh, one o'clock on Sunday. So uh, we talked about them earlier. I think Doug Peterson deserves a lot of credit for what Jacksonville's doing. Uh, the, the offense has looked really good. It's simple, um, but it works for Trevor Lawrence. Um, through three weeks, the Jags' defense is second in the league in success rate um, and third in EPA per play. Um, that might be the most impressive thing about the Jags this year, right? Is like he righted the ship on defense, and and maybe they're more standout than what Trevor Lawrence has been doing. Yeah. Um, Sure, they've they've played Carson Wentz and and Matt Ryan and uh, you know uh, whatever you know was was going on with Justin Herbert. Um, you know, it's not the worst schedule. Buy or sell on the Jags, who I believe are real. I'm buying. I'm I'm buying hard. Uh, cool. I think they're winning that division. I don't even think it's going to be close by the end of the year. Uh, I do think they lose this week because I, I think the Eagles are legitimately like a juggernaut over there. Yep. At least they look like it so far. Um, so I think they I think they lose this game, but I think it's going to be closer than people think. Um, but yeah, man, uh, the defense is playing playing very well with the Jags. Um, they're they're getting pressure and stuff that they like they haven't done since um, I don't know what was it twenty fifteen sixteen something like that. Uh, whenever they made their deep playoff run. But Trevor Lawrence is showing that he he actually is what they drafted him to be, I think, um, or at least can is certainly capable of developing into that now that he doesn't have Urban Meyer hindering literally everything around his life. Um, yeah, like you said, I, I think Peterson, at least right now, Peterson's probably favorite for coach of the year. Um, 
Mm. Yeah, I, I I'm buying. I agree. I, I think they're I think they're good. I I do think they win a division because, like I said, I don't I don't think the Colts are back from last week from one win against the Chiefs team who had a really bad week. Time will tell. It's 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 week four. You know, we've we've only gotten through three weeks, so things will change. But as of right now, I'm, I'm totally buying, and and I'm even buying the Jags as the as the division title winners. I like it. I'm into it. Um. Yeah, I, I, I have nothing to add there, man. You said everything <laughs> exactly the way I, you spoke my heart, man. Oh, uh, also, number two. Uh, no, oh. honorable mention, the Jags and Christian Kirk are fucking laughing at everybody right now because we all looked at that contract they gave him in the offseason and was like, what the hell? What? What's wrong yeah. with you guys? How desperate are you? Yeah, uh, so Christian Kirk and Zay Jones have somehow unlocked that offense in a way that I didn't think it was possible to be unlocked. Um, also shout out Christian Kirk for my fantasy teams, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, it's honorable mention there. Number two, the chargers, uh, they're one and two, uh, they face the Texans, uh, at one o'clock on Sunday. Um, so the chargers are probably been for back-to-back road games, Houston, um, two oh two and one and cleveland at two and one um chargers ed rusher uh joey bosa and left tackle rashawn slater were placed on injury reserve this wednesday keenan allen jc jackson justin herbert Corey Lindsay, darnold parham jr they're all tagged as limited um herbert didn't throw but apparently this is becoming like a regular thing for him um which is great and defensive tackle austin johnson was listed uh with a shoulder injury <laughs> but that didn't stop him from recording a full practice um all this to say the Chargers are banged up and making questionable decisions, leaving their, you know, MVP quarterback on the field last Sunday um, after being, yeah, yeah, that was questionable. They were down by 28 at one point, and this man was still yeah. in the game. Exactly. Um, are the Chargers being pulled to the bottom of the AFC West by their coach, or this is just a bad time? Um, well, I so I think it's the Raiders that are getting pulled to the bottom of the division by their coach. We'll, we'll talk to them in a second. But I, <laughs> we'll talk about them. In a oh, second. nice. <laughs> but I am. Ah, uh, this one's tough. The Chargers are almost too talented to say sell, but I'm gonna say sell, and I'm gonna say it because Herbert's injury, like the type of injury he has, isn't something that he's just gonna be better from after like two or three weeks. This is like a four months long thing. And it's, yeah, he can play, but it's it's pain tolerance and, like, he's going to get sacked again. And, you know, if he gets hit hit again, like, what's that feel like? What's that do to him? I just – they just lost their, their stud tackle, their offensive tackle for the season. Uh, they lost uh, Bosa, I think, for the season or close to it. Yeah. Um, like, I, I just I, – I'm, I'm going to sell um, – not because I don't think they're still talented, even with the injuries, but – because they're they're so beat up in a division where where Kansas City's probably going to win it, um, and the AFC as a whole, like it, it, so far in the season, the AFC as a whole seems like it's going to have a lot of playoff contenders. Um, you're you're probably going to have Miami and Buffalo. You're going to have Baltimore, uh, probably and Cincinnati by the end of it. Um, you know you're you're going to have the Chiefs. Somebody's got to win the South, probably the Jags. I mean, like you're running out of playoff spots, so now your your last playoff spot is down to, uh, I don't know, maybe Cleveland stays, you know, keeps the ship right enough until Deshaun gets back and they play well, or, or maybe Pittsburgh switches to Kenny Pickett and gets better. Like, I, I, there's all these other possibilities. Like, I, I'm gonna sell just because I think it's the safer pick here. Yep, 
I'm with you. Um, I I agree with what you were going to say about the Raiders, and again, we'll talk about them in a second. But um, I just have like this like weird suspicion that the Chargers are more than just injury plagued. You know what I mean? They, I, I yeah, think... they, they definitely. The coaching definitely. He has he has his flaws. Uh, Staley. He definitely has his flaws. Um, he he kind of flip flops on his decision making stuff at times with the fourth downs and going for it and not going for it and this and that and like obviously the making the blunder last week of of leaving his franchise quarterback you know th- this guy's this is a kid who he's young he's gonna be there for another at least decade you know as, as long as they can keep him under contract keep him whatnot. healthy so like yeah <laughs> and, and let and him be the same like, doctor he's already... that almost killed fucking Tyrod oh, yeah really. To leave him in that game like that is is just absurd. Like I, I there's no excuse for that. And then to say, uh, yeah. And then for his defense to say Herbert wanted to stay in the game, like you're the fucking That's coach. Insane. What are you, you talking about? You exactly. tell him when to go in the game and when to not go in the game. Like, there, no, that that's your job is to say, hey, you're out. All right, we'll get ready for practice Tuesday or film study Monday. Like. That's your job. It's not your job to be like, yes, sir, go right back in the game if you'd like. Like, fuck that. You're four touchdowns down in the fourth quarter. Like, take him out. You got no left tackle. Keenan Allen's out. The man's already got cracked rib cartilage. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Number three. Uh, you've you've made you've alluded to how you feel about them already, but I figure we should have a bigger conversation about the Lions at one and two. They play the Seahawks. It's uh, at one o'clock on Sunday. So I'm a believer in this idea of learning to win, right? Um, I think there's some merit to the concept. We kind of tend to forget that the Lions don't just have a young roster, but the coaching staff itself is fairly inexperienced. Um, it's it's fair to say that Dan Campbell and his play callers are learning how to like, you know, start games and finish games, how to play football, how to coach through a normal uh, season of the game. Um, the lines are working things out, I think, in, in, in both regards. And there's a snowball uh, effect, right? Um, each time you, you, you do it, you build some confidence and you understand how to finish it and, and you make it easier for yourself the next time. Of course, just because the lines are growing and learning on the fly, in my opinion, um, it doesn't need to be viewed as an excuse, right? Like, I don't think that when we say they're one and two, ah, they're young, they're learning how to do it, that, that it should be to their detriment, right? Like, this this should be a point against them, their inexperience. Um, this team was literally stripped a year ago, like, to the studs. They rebuilt everything a year ago, and we're at one and two facing the Seahawks on Sunday. Listen, if you want to accelerate this process, which I think is impossible to do, right? Like, you're going to have to struggle even to, 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 to fight to learn, to fight to learn to get to the playoffs, to actually get to the playoffs. Um, it's it's okay. And I think that this team looks good. They look, I'm not going to go good. They look okay. <laughs> like they look like they look like they have the foundation for something long-term. Yeah. And I don't know. It, it, it's a feeling I'm buying on the Lions. If I, do you think, do you think that this is okay? Yeah, it depends on so it depends on the standard here for the buyer sell. So if we're talking like just being a competent, competitive, good football team, then I'll buy it. Um, I don't think they're a playoff. Like their defense is still awful. They're still devoid of of talent in some places. 
um, especially defensively. And I mean, Jared Goff's good, but like he's probably you know he's he's not going to win a Super Bowl there. Um, no. So like they you know they they still have some work to do. But I will say I, I'll buy that they're they're very ahead of schedule for what people thought. Um, and I, I'll buy that Dan Campbell and the coaching staff has done a much better job than people thought and has that team playing to a level that I think nobody thought that they could play at. Um, their offense is, their offense is legitimately dangerous. Um, like I said, the defense is, defense is terrible. They're probably going to give up 30 points a week, but their offense is legitimately dangerous. Um, and, and they've, they've, they've made this work around golf's strengths. Um, kind of similar to what the Rams finally figured out at some point when they made that run with golf. Um, uh, Amon Ra is a monster. Yeah. Um, DeAndre Swift is, uh, he's banged up now. He'll probably miss a couple weeks, but he's a monster. Um, Jamal Williams is a fantastic number two option. Um, yeah, I mean, DJ Chark is is still good that people forget. Uh, Hawkinson's still good when they, the few times they throw him the ball, like they have playmakers. Um, they, they just, man, they have a tough division. Like they, they should have won the Vikings game. They, they, the fact that they gave that up just kind of harps on their defense and, and their, their, how they still have some learning to do when it comes to closing out games. Um, I think, I think, I do think Campbell still has some learning to do there too. Um, he, he, uh, I believe, I don't know if I'm remembering this correct, but I believe they had a fourth and one or something like that. Yeah. And they could have went for it to end the game, but instead they chose to kick the field goal, which, I gave I don't know, it opened the door for the Vikings. I don't remember exactly, but like you know, he, he could have had better decision making there that probably could have helped win them the game. Um, so they still have they still have a ways to go, but I, I'm buying that they're certainly better than everybody thought they would be, and I'm buying that they're legitimately a competitive football team this season. All right, I feel I'm I'm starting to feel some some synchronicity here. Right? <laughs> I'm starting to I'm starting to feel it. All right, cool. Last one, um, oof, man. So we've talked about the AFC West basically in this entire <laughs> throughout the course of this podcast. I, I, I feel mean, like. listen, they had a bad week, man. We they deserve talking, being talked about. So, um, the Raiders, number four, they're zero and three. They face my Broncos at four twenty-five on Sunday. Um, we can talk about that game when we guess lines. Uh, since nineteen ninety, only two and a half percent of zero and three teams have made the playoffs. No team has made the postseason after an 0-3 start under the current 17 playoff format. Vegas lost 24-22 Sunday to the previously winless Tennessee Titans after a late-game rally came up shy. Um, the foiled comeback came a week after they lost a 20-0 halftime lead to the Cardinals. Um, in overtime, we're four weeks into the NFL season, and the trading block articles have already <laughs> started. Uh, you should check out Bleacher Report. It's fucking hysterical. Uh, I am here for this, especially as a Broncos fan, right? Like, I love this fucking chaos and absolute... I love seeing Raiders fans sad almost as much as I like seeing Jets fans sad. It does something <laughs> for me. Um, but this roster's better than three and oh right like i'm not crazy like what's going on here buy or sell the raiders at zero and three so so here's and, and i'll put the raiders and broncos both in this in this category for just a second mm-hmm. um both teams acquired a good bit of talent they went out and they made moves in the offseason that they they needed to make that addressed weaknesses in their football team and made their football team infinitely better on paper you got Devontae Adams, you had a couple other additions for the Raiders. 
of course, Russell Wilson uh, for, for Denver. Um, but they forgot that they needed a coach in both mm. cities. So yeah. Denver went That's and tough. got a guy to Laura Rogers. We talked about this last week. I'm not going to go in depth, yeah. but like Denver got a guy specifically to Laura Rogers. Rogers doesn't come and like blah, blah, blah. Like God can't fuck coach. Uh, he, his purpose they hired him for didn't pan out, so now he just is flubbing around like an idiot. Uh, the Raiders uh, ignored Josh McDaniels' previous history as a head coach, apparently, and believed that he could be a great head coach again, despite most signs to the contrary, and a lot of his success in New England as an OC coming again with Tom Brady in that offense. Mm. Well, turns out maybe he's just not a very good head coach. Uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. Both these teams and, and the Raiders, because we're specifically talking about the Raiders. The Raiders, yes, they're much better than an 0-3 team. Um, and if you look back at their games, like they could easily be 2-1 and or, or even 3-0. and um, Losing that Arizona game was kind of fluky. Uh, poor Hunter Renfro got – he – got his lights knocked out and dropped the football and Arizona <laughs> returned it for a touchdown. Like, you know, it's it that was after the crazy fluky one in a million, two point conversion nonsense that happened and blah, blah, blah. Like th- this team should not be and three, but here they are. Um, I, I don't, like I said before, I don't know if they can actually, the thing with the playoffs is there's an extra game now too, that there wasn't before. So like, and three isn't as damning as it used to be. Not quite. Um, right, but like I said just a minute ago, the AFC is is kind of a gauntlet. It looks like this year, so it's possible for them to get back in the playoff chat. But it, it's, I mean, they they have certainly put themselves into a hole that's going to be very hard to get out of. Um, and they play in a tough division, so it's not like the schedule gets a lot easier. Um, so I, I think I'm at least as a playoff contender, I'm, I'm selling. Um. But okay. I will buy that they're better than an 0-3 team, and they, they will win some games this year, But possibly starting this week. I just, I, I'm just i fading the Broncos at all costs until Nate Hackett shows me he can coach a football game. Um, it, It's funny that you say that. I actually I feel like this week uh, for the Broncos is the worst, probably the worst matchup we could have right now because these guys are desperate, like absolutely desperate. Yeah. And there's a certain level of um it gives me a lot of it gives me a lot of pause so um i honestly don't think that we come out with a win and we end up coming split record into week five which is gonna fucking suck because all i'm gonna do is have to hear about how bad russell wilson and fucking doo-doo nat are on the sidelines <laughs> he i mean he has man russ has looked bad Whew. yeah that that all right oh my god that game uh <laughs> That game, I'm, I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've uh, had to hear this a lot already, but that game the other night was just, Awful. oh my god! And to hear uh, fucking uh, Collinsworth just, just blowing Russell Wilson for making and throw during the game, like late in the game or something, I, it was, he looked like he looked like one of us playing quarterback all night and he makes one throw and they're just fucking, Oh man, this, this Russell Wilson, it's he's, he's, he's one of the best. It's like, no, look, have you, have you watched this guy the past 18 months? He's awful. I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm it's, it's, 
it's very frustrating because I mean, okay, we've gone over it a thousand times. There's no <laughs> need to like again relitigate what's going on with this team. Um, the only hope that I have is that these players are professional enough to actually want to win games. They'll That's get it. better. Yeah, they'll, they'll get and, better. He, and, so he has he has so much. He has a great defense around him, which he didn't have in Seattle his last season or two. He has, he has very good talent outside. Um, I don't know. I, I don't remember what Judy's injury is or how long he'll be out, but him and Sutton, like, uh, plus the two running backs and, and Aguavanov at, at tight end, like, they have talent. They'll get it together. I, I just – they should – I'll say they should get it together. I, I think Hackett's going to hold them back until he figures out how to be a head coach. Um, it's – that's fair. Yeah, I just that's the part that scares me about saying that they they can legitimately turn it around and get better because, like, I, I don't know if they have the the play callers and and the coach to to do it, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, um, my, my only opinion on it is this: um, I don't. I just hope this team again is professional enough to to want to win games and that, that they have incentives built in where they win games, right? Um, and. I know the coaching is going to suck. Like it's only, I don't think it's going to get better. I think the play calling is going to get worse as the year goes on because he's going to feel quote more comfortable. And uh, I think Russ is either going to have to be a dickhead and play football or like continue to do whatever it is that they're doing, which is five yard to eight and a half yard slants um, in short runs, like swing passes to Javante. Like I don't, yeah, the running game's great. I, the running game's great. Yeah, but yeah, running game and defense are there. I just, I, I mean, uh, look, point blank, they have to get it together. They just gave Russ a bag, so like mm-hmm. they they have to get it together, or they gotta go find a new coach. I, listen, would it be unprecedented for some guy to coach like four games and just be fucking canned? Sure, but yeah, like you you already gave Russ the bag, so you've already made your choice. And I, you know, if <laughs> you got to do what you got to do, man, like you've, you've made this investment, you haven't really invested big in Hackett yet. So, you know, all right. I, I, what I know is I'm going to probably end up burning some of my Broncos merchandise during the course <laughs> of the season. Don't do More it, so man. Than... Listen, I'm a Dolphins fan. I've been through some shit. <laughs> More so than like other seasons, because like this is especially frustrating, giving all uh, given all the money we spent. I- I'm done talking about it. All right, we're moving on. Uh, we're talking lines. Um, let's do it. Let's do it hot, hot, fast and hot. No, it's weird. Anyway, uh, first game <laughs> tonight at eight fifteen. <laughs> Dolphins take on the Bengals. Uh, the line has pushed to Cincinnati minus four on draft on DraftKings. I see it at three and a half at Caesars. The money line. Um, it is uh, it is three and a half at MGM as well. Money line is minus 189 for the Bengals. The over under is 48 and a half. Um, I think we both said that we bet Miami. Um, I did. I did. I So I, I bet Miami early um, at, at getting three points at plus three uh, because I 
I guessed wrong. So I guess that the public would jump on Cincinnati because this is such a terrible spot for Miami. And every talking head on the planet has done nothing but talk about how this is a terrible spot for Miami. So I thought the line yeah. would move the other way with money on Cincy. Um, I mean, the line's up to minus oh, four I'm, now. I'm sorry, the, the line would, would go the other way. Um, oh, okay. And I thought it would drop below three, so I jumped on the three. But uh, it hasn't. Uh, Sharps hopped on Cincy, and uh, the line's been floating between three and a half and to four or so pretty much all week. Um, yeah, I, I took Miami, and I've been wrestling with myself today of whether I want to dabble a little on Miami money line or not. Um, I agree with everybody with the planet that this is a tough spot for Miami, but um, I also think Cincinnati's a little overvalued here because of, of their win versus the Jets last week. Um, mm. There's still something like 31st in defensive DVOA, Cincinnati is, and that's despite playing a, 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 a teams without offense like Pittsburgh and the Jets. Um their offensive line has to be ranked the worst in the league, if not very, very close. Um, and Miami really impressed me last week with how they got to Allen more than I thought they were capable of. Um, I, I just, I, I think, I don't know. I feel like since he's being overvalued here, I, I think Miami is, I think they have a different mentality, different swagger than they've had in years past. And I'm, I'm not sure if they're going to be as, as culpable of, of hit, kind of, uh, being in the letdown spot or being a letdown in a spot like this as years past. Um, so I was willing to take the three points. Um, if I do anything with the over under, I'm probably on the under in this game. 48 and a half is a little too high for you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think people are, so Miami's held uh, every game, every game for both teams this season, other than that crazy Ravens game for Miami has gone under. That's five out of six games they've played so far have gone under the total. Um, it's Thursday night. Thursday nights get a little sloppy in the NFL. Um, yeah, also, well, especially after the 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 three thousand degree game that they just played in. Yeah, which we should actually talk about for a second because like I understand football is a, a game of machismo and all that other fun stuff, but like why are we like subjecting these guys to a hundred and like fifteen degree? football games like we already know about cte but like also we're gonna add heat exhaustion which probably does like a lot of bad shit to your brain when you're getting hit over and over and over yeah again. i mean like, yeah so i some people like I, there were some bills fans pissy about it on the internet after the game and they were they were mad that miami was basically they they utilized their home field so miami if for those who don't know miami stadium was designed and built in a way that specifically utilizes um, yeah. having sun shine on the visitor bench for the entirety of the game or as much as possible. So they basically use their, <laughs> the climate in Miami as a home field advantage. But what the Bills fans weren't uh, mentioning was that Buffalo also plays outdoors in fucking Buffalo during a, through a sport that holds its season throughout the entirety of winter. So... Yep. Are like are you really gonna complain about using temperature and weather as a home field advantage when you literally Fair. have the home field advantage of negative ten degrees and six inches of snow? So, I, I don't know. It was all stupid to me. Um, I do you know I, I do. That was a brutal game for those guys. It was hot. It was hard hitting. Um, it's early in the season when when guys aren't. You don't really hit peak shape Fully up to yet. speed yet. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so uh, you know, I, I get that it was a brutal week. It was tough, but like, uh, 
I mean, don't go, don't go crying on the internet about fucking climate being a home field advantage. Like teams in the North have that shit all year, every year, because it's a fucking winter sport and you're in the North. Like shut the fuck up. All right, let's move on. Um, 930 at Tottenham Hotspur stadium in London. It is the Minnesota Vikings taking on the new Orleans saints. Uh, the line opened up at Minnesota minus one and a half, and then it went to Minnesota minus three. I see it minus two and a half in some other places. Um, the money line is Minnesota minus 140. The over under is 43 flat. Um, I, um, I, yeah, I, I see, I see two and a half here, and I think I might actually be about to bet Minnesota at minus two and a half. It's minus one fifteen, so a little extra juice, but yeah, you don't like them at minus three if you could get them. I do. I just two and a half is such a better number. Like three is such a key number for the NFL. Um, if you can get it, if you can get two and a half, it's so much better. Um, yeah, I just man, I, I don't. Anybody that's watched Jameis Winston this year and still bets on the Saints is a madman. Um, <laughs> the man has like nine nine turnovers, I think, so far in three games. He's got a back that's fractured in like four spots. Like I, I just he's still chucking it downfield, but like I, I, they're not score. I, uh, I just don't want any parts of the Saints until I see otherwise. Um, okay. I also think Minnesota, Minnesota is going to learn from last week, uh, really the last two weeks. I mean, they were really flat against Philly, and then last week they they really looked like shit and 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 squeaked one out anyway, late in the fourth quarter. I just I think Minnesota has too much talent to to not learn from that and not figure out how to start better. Um, Dalvin Cook is not he's he's I believe he's completely cleared um, to play now. I think he'll be fine. Like. Yeah, I'm just I'm on the Vikings here. Okay, dig it. Um, this is a weird one, which I, I don't know how you feel about this one. I'm not going to touch this game at all. Uh, Browns Falcons at one o'clock at Mercedes Benz in Atlanta. Line is minus one for the Browns. The money line uh, is minus one twenty for the Browns, and the over under is forty seven and a half. Um, I'm assuming we would like to just move on from this one, huh? Oh, I'm not touching this with a, a hundred yard pole. Um, <laughs> I pick. I'm in a couple pick'em leagues. I actually picked Atlanta, but I, part of that is because I thought most other people would pick Cleveland. Um, the other part of that is because like Atlanta's not actually bad. Um, like they they're moving it on offense. They're they're scoring points, um, and I just I don't like Cleveland has a very good defense. Cleveland's talented. I just it, they I don't believe in Jacoby Brissett. So I took a shot on Atlanta and picks leagues, but like I'm not, I'm not touching this game, money wise. I I 1,000% agree with you, and I'm happy to move on to uh, <laughs> the Commanders at Dallas. Uh, Dallas are three and a half point favorites right now. The money line looks like it is minus 170 for Dallas, with the over under at 41. Um, so I actually. I don't think that there's a way on God's green earth, whoever the fuck um, is quarterbacking the Cowboys um, and just beat the Giants, uh, Chase Keenum, the ghost of 
Ginger's past, whatever the horned frog is, uh, whoever, uh, whatever, whoever's Cooper Rush, baby. (laughs) Okay, Cooper Rush, sure. Okay, that guy. Uh, Against whatever it is that the Washington offense is, is, um, I mean, this is like a shit bowl, right? But um, yeah, I like Dallas, man. I think. Yeah, I'm big on Dallas here at at just minus three. I I think Washington's defense is, is, maybe the worst in football <laughs> um and dallas dallas their defense and their and washington's o-line is one of the worst in football um if you didn't see what philly did to carson Wentz last week uh carson's probably still seeing an eagle in his dreams when he sleeps right now uh, coming <laughs> at him so I'm, I'm all on dallas here um I, I think minus i think there's value at minus three here if you can still get that it looks like it's it's a little bit juiced now so that may pop to three and a half at some point um mm. i'm i'm kind of on the over 41 and a half seems a little low i think i think dallas there's still some cooper rush like being factored into the line but i mean they've been okay and and if if cd doesn't drop a touchdown in his hands last week like they score a little more like i I think they're okay. They'll be able to run the ball well on da- on Washington, um, and Wentz has at least shown that they can put up some points in garbage time at times. Um, so I I probably won't mess with the over under the total on this game. But if 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 I was, I'd probably lean to the over just a little. Um, but but my biggest play, my only play really on this game is is Dallas minus three. Yep. I 100% agree with you. Um, moving on to Seattle at Detroit. Uh, line right now is minus four. Some places have it at four and a half. I've even seen it as high as five in some cases, which is really weird. Um, the money line on this game is Detroit minus 205, and the over-under here uh, is 48. Um, so I like the over-under. Um, for some strange reason, I'd love to play the over on this one. Uh, and I think minus four, I mean, minus four, awful number. Um, don't think I'll be betting this one <laughs> aside from maybe an over under play. Yeah. If I do anything, I'm, I'm on Detroit here. Um, I actually really like Detroit in this spot. They're at home. They're coming off a game that they, they know they shouldn't have lost, but they did. Um, and Seattle was just terrible. I, I think Seattle may very well finish with the worst record in football. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm all the worst team in the NFL, right? Like, I I think so. Houston, Houston is not as bad as Chicago is pretty close. It's, it's, it's Seattle and it's Chicago, I think are are probably the worst two teams in football. Um, I'm trying to think and make sure I didn't miss anybody, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's, that's it. Um, Seattle and Chicago are, are, I think at the end of the year, they're probably going to be battling it out for the number, the number one draft pick. Um, yeah, I'm I'm all on Detroit here. Um, even at minus four, I don't I don't like four, but that's a I'm all on them. I, I think I think they're going to be pissed. They're at home. Like I said, Seattle's just awful, so I'm I'm all on it. Um, the slide might be staying where it is because DeAndre Swift's hurt, but I mean, yeah, Jamal Williams should be able to have a pretty big day against Seattle's defense as well. Um, oh, I, I think uh, Amon Ra may be out too. I'm not positive. I have to double check. I think Amon Ra may be out. But, it, I mean, even still, I, I, I'm still on Detroit. All right. Uh, Tennessee 
going to Lucas Oil Stadium to face the Colts at one o'clock on Sunday. The line is minus three and a half for the Colts. Uh, you talked about a little bit of how fraudulent you think they are. The line is minus 180 and the over under is 43. Um, previously mentioned, the Titans were winless uh, until last week. Um, the Colts have been colting, um, Ryan <laughs> bringing them up to two and one. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, <laughs> listen, I, I agree. Think, yeah. Minus three and a half is rough. I, yeah. I, I have no strong feelings on this game either way. I'm not betting it. I'm not touching it. I, I'm not watching it. I have no strong feelings on this game. Um, I, we don't have any clue what Tennessee actually is yet. I don't think they're very good, but who knows? I, I Like I said earlier, I don't think the Colts are very good, but I, who knows? Like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm not touching this game. I have no feelings either way. I'm certainly not willing to give three and a half with the Colts. Um, and then on the flip side, I, I'm not even ready to take just three and a half with the Titans. I mean, it's just a mess. This is a pretty easy um, no thank you for me. Um, Bears Giants. <laughs> that's that's no thank you number three on this slate. Um, One o'clock at MetLife. Minus two and a half. I again, yeah, I agree. Top to bottom, no thank you. I mean, yeah, yeah. Actually, if if it if it went up to three and a half, I would lean Chicago, but I'm not touching. I'm I'm not. No, I wouldn't. I take that back. I wouldn't. Chicago's run defense is awful. Saquon may run for two hundred yards in this game, and that's really all the offense the Giants would need. Because Chicago probably only has two passing plays in their entire playbook, uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm completely staying away from this. I have no real thoughts one way or the other. I'm just no way, <laughs> no way. Um, Jacksonville traveling to Lincoln Financial to fucking take on the lunatics that support the Eagles. The line is at minus six and a half. Uh, money line is. Minus 265 for the Eagles and the over under uh, is 45 and a half. Um, so I just want to say a, a few things on this one. Uh, I think minus six is a, six and a half is a little too high. Mm -hmm. I do think that the Eagles can certainly win this game. Uh, this might get put into a, a little uh, teaser at some point. Um, but yeah. I, I like I like this game. I love how we're we're on the same page today, man. I like it. Yeah, but I uh I, I'm I'm kind of the same way. I think six and a half might be getting a little too high, um, because of what we just talked about a few minutes ago with how good the Jaguars are. Um, however, six and a half is a fantastic line to tee to put into a teaser as a, as a teaser leg if you're on the Eagles, um, or just the Eagles throwing the Eagles into a money line parlay. I do think the Eagles win the game. I just, like you said, I think six and a half might be a little too rich for me to, to do anything one way or the other. Mm -hmm. um, un unless you want to use the Eagles as a teaser leg or, or toss them into a money line parlay. 
one o'clock jets travel to pittsburgh take on steelers steelers at minus three money line is minus 175 for the steelers and the over under is 140 or uh, 41 and a half um yeah this is a poo poo bowl yeah uh, if you ask me uh, another no thank you game <laughs> yeah i don't think i'll be touching this um I, I i like pittsburgh in this game to win the game so i mean maybe you could toss them into that money line parlay um because zach wilson's back for the jets and i just honestly think they're gonna look like a mess my fear is that pittsburgh just can't score it's mm. the jets so they'll find a way to put points on the board but I, man they they trubisky has to be on the bench at some point and it's very possible Kenny Pickett starting by the second half of this game. Who knows? Um, but again, if 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 you just if you just have to do something in this game, you're a big Steelers fan, big Jets fan. Like you got to bet on the game. Like just throw Pittsburgh into a money line parlay and don't mess with the spread on this game. Don't touch the over under. Just <laughs> just toss them into a money line parlay and and call it a day. Um, one o'clock. The Bills travel to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. The Bills are minus three on the spread. Uh, Moneyline has them at minus 150, and the over-under for this game is a party, 51. Um, this has so, got to be game of the day, right, for Sunday? Abs- has to be. Yeah. The 1 o'clock? Yeah, it has to be. Um I hope they can flex it into like a one thirty or something. You know what I mean? So like the end of it kind of like staggers a little longer, which they would never do. But anyway, um, I don't know if I'm going to touch this game. I feel a little, I feel a lot of trepidation about, well, so Josh Allen's pissed because he lost last week. Yeah. I'm sure he's going to come out fucking firing. And then Lamar Jackson has a pretty banged up team, but he's making do with what he's got. I faced him in fantasy last week and he put up like 42 and a half fucking points or something. <laughs> it was absurd. So, um, it's going to be a great game. I, the over under at 51 is what's fun for me. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I'd like rooting for points. You know what I mean? But like, yeah. other than that, I don't, I don't know about touching a team on a money line or a spread. Yeah. I'm a sucker for the over on this game. Um, uh, mostly because like like the Ravens secondary is banged up. Um, mm-hmm. Josh Allen's gonna be pissed after after essentially giving away the Dolphins game this past week. Um, Buffalo's missing their their safeties. Probably you know they're still gonna be missing some defensive pieces. Like I just and Lamar is having a, a freaking MVP season again. So like I I'm a sucker for the over in this game. I know unders have been they're like 68% so far in the NFL season. So unders have usually been the play, but I, I'm just I'm a sucker for the over in this game. I can't help myself. I yep. want this I, I, maybe because I just I want to watch this game and I want this game to be like 41-38. Yeah. Yes. Like, so yes. I, <laughs> yes. 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 I, I yes, want yes. Josh Allen chucking it all over the place and I want Lamar running all over the place and scoring touchdowns. Um, so I, I'm probably going to end up betting the over in this game, yep. whether it's the intelligent thing to do or whether I'm, I'm making the, the yeah, <laughs> I'm just making the mistake of betting with my head here or, or my heart here instead of my head. I, I don't know, but I, I'm, I think I'm taking the over in this game. 51 seems like they, it was 54 last week with Bill's dolphins. 
Yeah. So are, like you're you're telling me it's it's three points lower this week with the Ravens in town who have been like Lamar's been lighting it up. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I I don't I don't necessarily think it should be more. Wait, no, they're go they're going to Baltimore. So like I mean he's at home, he's comfy, traveling Josh yeah. Allen. Like I think this could be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean if you're gonna give me like if you're telling me Josh Allen and Tua match up is with an over and under of fifty four, but you're gonna give me three points less for Josh Allen and Lamar, like I'm I'm taking that. You know, even even like discounting every other stat analytic factoid I could discount for this game. Like, if you just give me that stat, like if you tell me that right there, I'm gonna take the over. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to the last one o'clock game on Sunday: the Chargers versus the Texans. Uh, Chargers are traveling to Houston. The line has sat at minus five for San Diego. Uh, the money line for them is minus 240, and the over-under is 44. Um, so I think we've talked about the, the Texans a few weeks in a row now. Um, we both have, like, I wouldn't say strong feelings on them, but we both think that they might be, like, a more competent football team than we thought they might have been. They're yeah. still going to be bad. They're going to be awful. Um, but there's just so many so many little injuries on the chargers that i feel like this line is a trap at five if it was three uh, two and a half mm, i love right? how in sync we are today this is this has got to be one for the books here yeah I'd, I'd have a lot of fun taking it but i don't know yeah i don't know yeah i don't know i don't know about betting this game I, yeah, in any I, way shape or form i'm not i'm not i'm not putting money on either side here but i will say i, I lean houston um, mm. the, all the injuries we talked about with the chargers, who knows what they're going to look like week to week right now. Um, and Houston is legitimately competitive. I won't say they're good. They're competitive. Their defense is actually decent. Um, they're figuring out how to run the ball with Damian Pierce. Yep. So, I, I mean, I, I just, I'm like you, if this was, if this was like a, a two and a half, three point line, I think I'd be on the chargers, but, um, five, Five is in kind of the the no touch zone for me uh, with this game, so I'm I'm not going to be doing anything either way. But I do lean uh, Texans plus five. Okay. Um, first of the four twenty fives, at least here, uh, Arizona versus actually this is a four oh five game, so yeah, it is the first one. Arizona goes to Carolina to take on the Panthers. The Panthers are sitting at one and a half point favorites. The Panthers are also minus 125 on the money line, and the over-under is 43-and-a-half. Um, so I'm all over Arizona on this game. Ooh, what a, oh, what a day. Uh, I actually thought you were going to call me crazy because I love Arizona in this spot as yep. a, a plus-money underdog. Uh, yep, love it. I love I, it. I love, love, it. I love their it. money line here. You're, you're, you're at plus 105, which is just a little more than even money, but – Listen, anytime you can get plus odds against Baker Mayfield, take it. Yeah. Yeah. Take it. Yeah. I, I, look, Make your money I, off I, of I know him. Arizona's defense is bad, but, like, do you think Baker Mayfield's going to take advantage of that fact? Um, Carolina has a pretty good defense, a, a very good defense. But, I mean, I, look, Arizona's going to get their offense together at some point. Um, hmm. They were a better team on the road, if I remember correctly, last season. And I, I don't necessarily think that – 
uh, will be drastically different this year. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I don't think the road woes are really going to hit them the same way. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I, I don't know why this stood out to me as one of the first games I looked at, uh, one of the first games that caught my eye on the board this week. I love Arizona here uh, as a money line play. Yeah, I think it's um, I, I think it's kind of a no brainer, only in that like, Kyler. Kyler doesn't care, but I also think that he cares enough to keep winning, and he sees that maybe this team's like okay enough for him to win some games. Um, I also wanted to call out. Um, <laughs> 21-24 isn't out of the question in this game. Yeah. So I just wanted to call that out in terms of like the over-under at 43 and a half. Um, just going to leave that there. Next, at 425, this is indeed the 425 game. On Sunday, we have the Patriots traveling to New England, uh, playing in Lambeau. The pack attack are nine-point favorites uh minus 425 on the money line and the over under here is slated at 45 and a half minus nine is way too high for me um i don't know if you know this but if mac jones plays and if he's healthy enough and things are fine um i still think it's the packers don't look coherent enough to be a nine point favorite um listen mac jones is taking it day by day um yeah i know i know i heard i heard all about it <laughs> he's day by day sakes. yeah uh I, I this game is packers or nothing i think if you're gonna bet it uh um, money listen, line mac, yeah. i don't care what belichick says mac jones is not starting and if if he does start then that's even more reason to take the packers because he can't walk uh <laughs> so uh, it's it's packers or nothing i'm not without I, i'm already not sure the patriots score much on the packers defense uh even with mac jones but without him i i don't know if they find the end zone at all i think this is a week i think green bay is gonna they're, they're steadily getting more in their groove um just as an example you you look at um I, I was looking at numbers this morning for this game actually and and look at uh i'll give you the most glaring example look at robert tunyon um obviously a, a key fantasy tight end and he's been, he's been a big target especially in the red zone for rogers the past couple of years but um every week his his snap count and his targets have gone up um or his his snap percentage and route percentage has gone up um and and rogers is targeting him specifically on 30 percent of his routes so far this season um you look at, at guys like dobbs who he showed out last week uh lazard came to play a bit last week like this offense is going to get it together. Um, AJ Dillon just got fully, uh, I think he was taken off the injury report today. So they'll have the full, their full backfield with him and Jones. Like they're going to keep figuring it out. Bakhtiari's a week healthier, hopefully now. Um, like I, I think Green Bay's going to probably easily cover this game, cover the spread. So I, I would, if you do anything, if the, if the big line scares you, I get it. It's the NFL. Big lines should scare you. Um, but I think this is Packers or nothing. I like I like the stance you're taking on it. Um, I I just yeah I'm looking at them on money line. That's really the only way I would I would probably throw them into like a favorites a favorites parlay for like small plus yeah, money. Yeah, that may be the better play is if you want to do like a favorite uh, a, a favorites parlay. Um, toss Green Bay into that. Um, you know, throw them in with some of the teams we mentioned earlier, like Philly and Dallas maybe. Um, 
Uh, actually, yeah. So Packers, Cowboys, Eagles money line parlay is plus one sixty two. So you know if if, if that's something you like, but you don't want to give up the six and a half with Philly or give up the nine and a half with Green Bay, like that that's an option. You know, there's there's some there's some money line stuff out there to be had. All right, moving on. Four twenty five on Sunday. You have the Broncos traveling to fucking Las Vegas to play the Raiders. Broncos are two and a half point favorites. Uh, the money line is uh, underdogs. Underdogs. Yeah, I'm sorry. Or minus two and a half. Uh, the Raiders are minus two and a half. Uh, the Raiders are also minus one fifty on the money line, and the over under is forty five and a half. Um, I, so I told you. Uh, I don't. I, I think the Raiders are going to be desperate. I think this line opened up at one and a half originally. Um, or it, well, like it might've opened up as a pick them last week. I'm not, if I'm looking at it right, but yeah, I don't know. I guess sharp money came in over the last like day or so uh, and pushed it to two and a half in favor of Vegas. Yeah. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people in the, in the know and in the money, have the same outlook I do and that we're, we're fading the Broncos until they show yep. otherwise. Yep. Um, I'm like you. I, I, I don't think, I, so I don't think I'll touch this game first of all, but I, I do kind of agree with you. I think the Raiders are desperate. They know that they should have at least one win on the board now at this point in the season. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and I, I don't know if Denver can score against anyone. So I, I'm, I'm kind of on the Raiders here. If, if they're going to win a game, it's going to be at home like this division rival. Their backs are against the wall. They're desperate. Like uh, this is uh Sertan's out for the Broncos, I believe still, um, which, which certainly helps Devonte Adams case. Uh, I believe Renfro should be back this week. Like I just, I'm, I'm, I'm in on the Raiders for this week. I don't know if I'm in enough to bet it, uh, but I, I certainly lean that way. Okay. Uh, I would, if anything, if I were to bet anything, which I'm not, uh, I would probably take Vegas in a money line. Uh, I would also probably take the under in this game. Um, I don't think the Broncos are putting up anything more than fucking 14 points on the board. Um, <laughs> flip side, I could see maybe, you know, Vegas putting up like, you know, 20 plus, that's, but it yeah, still wouldn't be. That's it the was, thing, yeah. It still wouldn't be enough though to put that over at forty five and a half. You yeah, know, that, near, that's the thing with I mean? this game is is the the Denver's uh, defense is is good enough where maybe maybe the Raiders only get to like seventeen or twenty, but mm-hmm. can are the Broncos capable of scoring seventeen points? Not not that I've seen. No, I don't think so. As of right now, no. Um, Eight twenty, prime time. You have the Chiefs traveling to Tampa. Uh, right now, the line is. Minus one Tampa's favor. Uh, the money line is minus one oh five for Tampa, and the over under is forty six. Are people fucking delusional? Uh, well, so I think this is going to be a lower scoring game than people think. Weather. Uh, Tampa's defense. Are is they even so playing good. in Tampa? They are playing in Tampa. They they announced it not that long ago, actually. Um, they Tampa missed the the vast majority of the effects of the hurricane of the storm so they are playing in tampa um i i think so kansas city i think people aren't really sure what their offense actually looks like this season mm-hmm. um and tampa's defense is is very very good and of course we don't know what their offense is actually capable of this season so i, I think this might be a little more low scoring than people think 
Um, but I, I do like Kansas City in this game for pretty much every reason I mentioned before about the Bucks. Yep. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, so talking about the line at, at minus one, uh, what do you do? Um, I'm money line. Well, so if I'm taking the, you take whatever has less juice, essentially. Um, like right now, so I'm looking at MGM. Like right now, the if you took Kansas City, they're plus one at minus one fifteen. If you're gonna do just money line them at minus one ten. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, and and vice versa for the Bucks. They're they're uh, minus one ten money line, but they're uh, minus one oh five if you take them at the minus one. So. All right, last one. Monday night, prime time. You have the Rams traveling to San Francisco to take on Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers. The line right now is minus one and a half for the 49ers. Um, the money line is minus 120 for the 49ers, and the over-under here is 42 and a half. Now, so we really haven't talked a lot about the Rams mm -hmm. so far this season, and I think we should probably do a better job of uh, putting some respect on our super bowl champions uh however um this is disrespectful right um i think so I, i'm 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 a little so i hadn't actually this is one line i hadn't actually seen yet i'm a little confused i think yeah um i i'm wondering if i'm missing something here um right now i i love the rams money line because i mean look the rams haven't looked awesome but they've 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 gotten better each week. I think it seems like a little bit. Um, yep. Whereas Maybe the they Niners, kind of Dell before the end of the season. Yeah. Whereas the Niners, like I, I do think they'll they'll be fine eventually. But as bad as last week looked, I'm not sure that they can be drastically better this week. Um. So right now, just initial reactions. I'm I'm I love the Rams money line here. Dig it, dig it, dig it, dig it um all right man that is all i had for today i did want to uh ask you one very important question before we uh yeah yeah we logged off um so uh 61 baby 61 he finally got it so we can finally stop uh getting everything we're watching uh every sport we're interrupted. watching interrupted for uh Aaron judge Judge's watch fucking at bat Mm. so he hit it he did it right as they they clinched i don't know how many games they have left in the season it must be it can't be more than it's like what 15 be, games it's gotta be less no like 10 six seven eight something like if that the playoffs, are, you think the playoffs start i think wild card is like next weekend maybe i have to double yeah check. i think you're um how many do you think he hits at the end of the year uh he may get so now that the pressure's off and he's not he may get like two more it's maybe 63 62 mm. 63 it, it it depends on if they they sit him for you know let him rest a little bit too before the playoffs start um you know now that he's got his record it's it's possible they they kind of sporadically spell him a little bit um before the playoffs just to make sure no injuries happen and all that good stuff so he may get one more maybe two more but that would be about it any predictions on what the yankees do this season <sighs> So postseason rather admittedly i've been a little bit out of touch with baseball for about half a season now uh since football really fired up uh and that's that's where i that's where i'll make my bread and butter here in the in the gambling realm so i've been a little bit out of touch um 
but I, I don't think they go deep. I think they can win a series, maybe, depending on the matchup. But I, I just I don't think that they can go deep. I don't think they uh, – the the trading away Montgomery at the trade deadline was just so confusing to me. Um, and, and I don't think they ever really recovered from that truly. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think they make a super deep run. I, they're a threat because of their offense, but uh, I, I don't see them really being a, a, a title contender. All right. Well, uh, my prediction is that we win the World Series, so you can go ahead and suck my dick. <laughs> That's how I feel about that. I mean, now, listen, I, I think the pressure's off. You're 100% right. I think we'll close out with like 60, 62, 63 max. You're right. Um, but the thing that's important for me is that they don't sit him so he doesn't fucking... I, yeah, I, um, yeah, I agree. That's where they can mess up is just letting him sit for a week now. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other side of it is, is and, and it was a little bit concerning or disconcerting to, to um, see a role Chapman back up and closing a game the other day uh, which listen uh, if he can do it great because we need pitching in the playoffs and, and he's yeah. one of the most intimidating closers I've ever seen in my life I mean granted he's not consistent but when he's on he's probably one of the most intimidating closers um, I've ever seen yeah physically um, that said you're right about Monty losing him was an awful terrible disgusting awful awful fucking idea um, I just Listen, I don't know if we have enough. I don't know if we have enough to get through a playoff. DJ is heading towards being healthy, yeah. Uh, which leads me to believe if he's back by and or before the playoffs, maybe you know he has a shot of coming back in. But I just don't want us to to not hit this playoff because that's what we've been doing the last three playoffs is not hitting. And if we if we do that, it's uh. No shot for us, obviously, because <laughs> our pitching is going to give up runs for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think they'll be better than in past years. I just, uh, I don't know. We'll see. Fingers crossed. All right, man. Um, thank you for sitting in on me with this. The Maybe, what is this, an hour and a half? It's uh, impressive. Yeah, buck 40. Buck 40 this time. Jesus, I, 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 I'm sorry we went long, guys, but I hope you enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed talking about all this shit with you, man. And uh, uh, yeah, as always, you guys know where to catch us. Email us. We'll never give you an email address. Follow us on Instagram <laughs> and Twitter. We'll never give you our handles. Um, uh, hit us up on Spotify. You can't get in contact with us. It's Uncoachable's pod. Exactly. We'll talk to you guys next week. All right, guys. Be safe. Peace.